Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Today we give you the seven worst life hacks of all time. Let's go. Number seven, if you want to send something breakable but don't have anything to wrap it up with, why not try using popcorn? It'll keep your valuables safe and they'll be completely smeared afterwards. Maybe this hack is better. Number six, whoops, this is how easy it is to get a hole in your sock. If you don't know how to knit, just take a black marker and color your foot where the hole is. Then at least no one will notice. Number five, everyone has numerous remote controls at home. With a few rubber bands, you can transform them into a mega remote control. Handy, right? Well, not really. And number four, who needs expensive mobile covers? Just take a balloon, squeeze your mobile inside and let out the air. The balloon will wrap itself around the mobile like a cover and will block the camera and all the important connectors. Great. Number three, now we'll fry an egg with an iron. Just place an egg on a plate and hold an iron over it. Hmm, yum. Have fun cleaning the iron. Let's continue with number two, freeze some toothpaste. Then you could theoretically cut out some mints for fresh breath. Sadly, not every toothpaste seems to harden in the deep freeze. So again, this is for the bin. And so we've reached today's genius number one. Do you need slippers? Then put your shoes on a piece of baking paper, draw around their form on the paper with a black marker. You also have to draw a rectangle. Now fill both fields with hot glue. This might take a while. Once it's hardened, hold the sole over the rectangle for the loop and then enlarge it so your feet fit him well. Now fill these pieces with hot glue too. All you have to do now is attach the loop to the sole and you've got beautiful slippers. And that's in only 30 minutes. Now that, those are life hacks right there. <clears throat> those are uh, useless life hacks. Although I like the popcorn thing. I mean, if you could wrap it in something that would be like less absorbent of, uh, of all the oils in the popcorn, you could make actually make a, or dry pop the popcorn. I don't know. It might not work at all. It's a bad idea. Um, another, another useful life hack is um, mints. That's all that needs to be said. If you want to make friends, use mints, okay? <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. Here's another idea, though. This is a really good life hack. If you have an, a leak under your car and you're wondering, what is the problem with my car, okay? So here's the thing. Get a white piece of paper or get some paper towels or a white towel and put it under your car and let the, whatever the leak is will drip on that paper uh, towel or that towel and uh, whatever color it is will tell you what's leaking. It'll tell you what's leaking. If it's red, it's likely transmission fluid. If it's dark or, or black, it's likely oil. If it's green or a, a light tint of red, it could be um, uh, antifreeze. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to figure out what's going on under your car, but putting something under there to tell you what the color is, is helpful. Yeah? Anybody have leaks in their car? We're praying for you, okay? Because that's, that's hard. That's a tough one. We're talking about life hacks. We're talking about the things that make life better. Life hacks are teachings from the Bible that help solve the big and small issues of life. Life hacks are teachings from the Bible, at least they are here, Teachings from the Bible that help solve the big, solve the big and, and small issues of life. The actual definition of a life hack is an often creative strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more productive and efficient way. Are you guys enjoying the life hack series? Okay, good, good. Uh, praise God for that. 
Today we're talking about communication. Communication. And uh, I do a lot of that. And uh, often I realize that I'm, I may have spoken, but I did not communicate. There's a, there's a big difference. And for, a many, for many of the, the following reasons. Um, sometimes I'm just not clear. Clarity. If you walk away going, huh? Or if you're talking to a friend or a spouse or a coworker or your boss, and you walk away from that conversation going, I have no idea what was just said then that communication did not happen. Even though a whole bunch of words were shared, communication didn't happen. What about the tone? If I talk like this and I just talk very soft, and there's some of you that can't even hear. But if I do this, some of you may have woken up and you may be offended by that volume, okay? Um, content, even the content of what you're sharing, sometimes if, if people don't grasp the concept, content, then uh, you've got issues. Timing. Have you ever walked away from a conversation going, really? They chose now to share that information? They chose now to bring up that big negative? They chose now to bring up that big issue or that circumstance? Um, timing. Proximity. Have you ever <laughs> hung out with somebody who likes to just be right here in your bubble? Okay? Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with right about here, but right here... Uh, I do, I'm not comfortable. I'm afraid you're either going to kiss me or hit me. One of the two, okay? Um, social media. Social media is a whole new way of communicating, caps or no caps. Do you know what caps mean? You're yelling. Isn't it cool that you can yell just by typing? Isn't that great? You don't even have to use your voice. Okay, that's not cool. All right. Preconceptions. I think preconceptions are one of the biggest challenges in communication. This happens especially with spouses. You already have an idea of what your spouse is going to say. If you are famous for saying, I know what you're going to say, you're not communicating. Okay, because you're not listening. And listening is a big part of communicating. Perspective, just the angle at which you're looking at something could be different than the angle of someone else of what they're looking at. So they may be seeing something completely different than what you're looking at. So perspective is a complete difference. Here's another one, context. This is my big, big, big deal. If you want to talk to me about something, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have context before you make comment. Context before comment. This is a, a hugely useful uh, tool in the hands of anyone who wants to have a great conversation. If you will grab the context before you make the comment, you will likely bring good information to the conversation. But if you are famous for saying, I, this, is, this is the problem, and you don't know the context of why that problem exists or why you think it's a problem, then you're making a comment before you have context, and context will always help make things clearer. Does that make sense? And so context before comment. I want to give you an example of a very, very funny, interesting conversation. Watch this on the video. It's just there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have 
a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Anybody have that kind of conversation? I know what the problem is, but you won't let me talk about it. And so this is really funny. And there's all kinds of community. We could, we could take some time and look at that. But um, the reality is, is that there's always these little challenges to communication. And a lot of it is just about what the person is feeling, not necessarily what's really going on there. And uh, if they, there was really no answer to that, that circumstance. It's very funny. Anyway, has anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. I can see what's going on here. <clears throat> Honey, if you raise your hand right now, you're in trouble. All right. The key thought this morning is simply this. Communication doesn't happen until understanding occurs. Communication doesn't happen until understanding occurs. If we don't understand each other, if we don't bring a healthy conversation together, to understand each other, we haven't communicated. You may have shared a whole bunch of words. You may have shared a whole bunch of feelings. You may have shared a whole bunch of ideas. But until there's an understanding between the two of you, a two-way street of communication, then it hasn't happened. And communication requires that we understand each other. And there's a way to do that that is helpful in a, a, a relationship. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Let me talk first about the power of words. The power of words is, is talked about in Proverbs 18.21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Isn't that a powerful statement? The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it, in other words, those who love to talk, will eat the fruit of whatever you're talking about. If you bring life, you'll eat that fruit. If you bring death, you'll eat that fruit. Matthew 12, 33 through 37 says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. In other words, we are going to be judged for the words we use. Wow. That makes me frightened. That makes me want to say less, not more, right? <laughs> that's, a good, that's actually a good principle. James 3, 5 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Again, the power of the tongue. The tongue has tremendous power, tremendous influence, and if we uh, mess up that influence, we are going to cause all kinds of problems. And you can just say one wrong word, have you ever been in that conversation where you just kind of wished you could take back what you just came out? 
ever wish that to happen? Oh, I've, I've wished that many times. Many times I've wished, oh, I just wish I could take that one back. And so how do we communicate well? If, the, if we have all this power, how do we communicate well? What is the secret to good communication? We want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 32. And let me just give you context of this passage. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. He just got done sharing a bunch of, of here's, here's a the, theological understandings, and now he's going on to how to apply those theological understandings. And what he's doing here is he's saying in the previous passage, or just in the passages ahead of this passage, he's saying, you guys have, you have to be careful not to go back to your old way of living. See, because Jesus makes changes in our lives. And when he makes changes, he makes them for the better. But the tendency of humanity is to always want to go back, always want to look back, always want to rely on what's natural for us rather than depending on the Holy Spirit to do something unnatural. When you're in an argument, the, un the natural thing is to go, boo argue back, right? Hit with words or hit with fists or whatever. The natural response of humanity is to kind of respond back. I'll get you for saying that. I'll, I'll come back at it. The unnatural response is, huh, that's an interesting point. Let's figure that out. Let's, what are you trying to communicate to me? How can I understand where that anger is coming from? That's a completely unnatural response. It really is. And it takes the work of grace in our hearts to respond in a way that brings life instead of death. Amen? All right, so let's read this passage, Ephesians 4, 20. That, however, so he's referring back to not going back to the old life. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. You learned a different way of living than the old life. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. And speak truthfully. So you see this transition that he does right there? He talks about put on the new self and look what happens when you put on the new self. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, must, uh, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not, lay any, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. It's a lot of words. Let's take a look at each one. Here's the first hack. Here's the first hack that this passage teaches us, and that is clean up the inside. 
clean up the inside. Verse 20 says this, that, however, is not the way of, of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. There it is right there. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The reality is, is that what comes out of our mouths comes from the inside. When you're talking with someone and you are getting angry or you're communicating something that is unhealthy or un, 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 uh, does not build the other person up, when you are communicating in such a way that it hurts instead of helps, you are speaking from your heart, not, 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 not a good heart. What's inside is wrong. Something's unhealthy in there. And it's coming out. And it's unhealthy about the person you're talking to, or it could be unhealthy about just the way you're living life at the point in time. And I believe that what we need to do is, is the simple hack is to clean up the inside. Because if you clean up the inside, only good can come out, right? That's powerful. Verse 31 of that same passage says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Do you know that every word that's used there has something to do with something that would come out of, from the inside out? Rage, bitterness, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. All of that is just like, I'm ticked and I'm angry and I'm going to say something bad. I'm going to argue until I can hurt you. I, that's what all that is. And so what's inside? What's inside? And here's the beauty of this passage is that it's reaffirming the reality that when we accept Jesus into our lives, he changes the inside. He cleans the inside. He makes whole the inside. He makes all the inside parts clean. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want to encourage you this morning to look on the inside and say, what's there that's coming out? What's there that's coming out? Because whatever is coming out is evidence of what's inside. And maybe you're, you're feeding the inside with just ugly stuff. Maybe you're feeding the inside with bad attitudes, people that are around you that are, are, are chatty about all the negative things. And all you hear is negative, negative, negative. And what do you think is going in? Negative. And what do you think is going to come out? Negative. If all you think about your spouse is negative, 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 what do you think is going to come out? That has to be changed. That has to be transformed. And the only person who can really transform that is Jesus. It's not fixing your spouse. It's like, if I fix her, my anger will go away. You know, if I fix him... My anger will go away. No, it, it, over and over and over again, what has to happen is you have to fix you and what's on the inside. And when you start speaking life into a relationship, life comes out of that relationship. Most often, I'm not saying it's a perfect formula, but it's more likely than not that life will go into the relationship as you speak life into it. And it changes. And so we have to uh, remember to... Uh, uh, speak life and, and fix the inside, not just the outside. Hack number two, this one's a tough one, 
In verse 25, speak the truth. Speak the truth. So first we clean up the inside. Then we start speaking the truth. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. The, the, whole, the, the whole Greek meaning of this is lying. Just pure, outright lying. And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, we kind of look at lying like uh, you're cheating on a test or uh, you're lying about um, um, something that happened and you're not telling the truth about what happened. That's definitely lying. But there's another level of lying that I think is even more harmful, and that is when you're trying to keep peace by not telling the truth. How are you? I'm fine. When you're not, when life sucks and you are having a bad day, a couple of people asked me this morning how I'm doing. I'm not doing too good. I lost a very close friend yesterday to cancer. The edge is off of me today. My, my joy is not bubbling over, to be really honest. And so if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to probably tell you that I'm not on top. I haven't lost my hope. My friend is a believer, and she's in the presence of Jesus. But it's not a cliche for me. It's a reality that she's in the presence of the Lord, but we battled for her health, and we prayed for it, and it's hard to understand why she's gone. But I'm glad that she's in the presence of the Lord. So I'm, I'm feeling a little low. Is that okay? But that's the truth. That's the truth. That's, that's what we have to do. When, when you aren't sharing the truth, when we aren't expressing what we're, what's going on, it's actually hurting the relationship rather than helping it. It's not allowing the other person to grow and be a part of what you're going through and experiencing what you're feeling, and experiencing what, what is really happening. Hey, if, if you are unhappy with me, I want to know. Because we're friends, we're family, we're to, and, and anything between us needs to be dealt with. And not sharing it is only keeping the distance, as opposed to bringing us together. And, and so, again, like I would, I would encourage you, if you have something wrong with, with me or with anybody, uh, get context before you make comment. Remember, the perspectives may be different or the lack of understanding of the background or not understanding the context might help bring answers to the situation rather than continue to throw fire, I, uh, uh, gas on the fire. By the way, here's another way to, this is a great hack when you talk about speaking the truth. Is the truth going to be gas or is it going to be water? And there's a way to speak truth with water instead of gas. And often the truth is spoken in a way that hurts rather than helps. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I love this idea from uh, Zechariah. Uh, <clears throat> These things you are to do, Zechariah says in eight, uh, Zechariah 8.16. He says, speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Because sound judgment can't be uh, accomplished without truth. You can't make a good decision if you don't have truth. Do not plot evil against each other and do not swear falsely. I hate all this. Zechariah speaking on behalf of God, declares the Lord. 
These are the, are the things you are to do. Speak truth to each other. We are to speak truth, and that way we can make good decisions about our relationship. We can come together instead of being pulled apart by lies or falsehoods or uh, just the, the reality not being known, and it keeps us apart. And there's all kinds of, of, of ways to speak the truth, but always in love. Always in love. Hack number three. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anger is, is, is the bottom line of uh, this passage. He's saying this is the, uh, the expression that he's trying to get at to, to say let's not communicate in such a way that it, it does more harm than good. It can get a foothold. It says the devil wants to destroy relationship, right? And so the easiest way to destroy relationship is to help us get so angry with each other that the, the foothold is that we want to do more harm than good. That we want to hurt each other, that we want to communicate in such a way that I'm going to say things that are just going to go right to your heart. Right to your heart. And I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to, I'm going to make it feel, I'm going to make you feel pain. And, and when you're married, it, your spouse knows those buttons, man. Your spouse knows those buttons and they can push those buttons and they can, and I know what'll hurt. I'll tell you that you're just like your mother. You know, I know what'll hurt, you know, and you can say all kinds of crazy things. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, there went gas on the fire, man. Just nothing like it. And it says, uh, in your anger, do not sin. What I love about this passage is it doesn't say don't get angry. It just says don't sin. Don't create a divide. This is, this is an offer to say there are right things to be angry about. There are right things to have a righteous indignation, but do not let your righteous indignation, don't let your, your attitude towards the wrong become about the person. Here's what the beautiful thing is about Jesus. He hates our sin, but he never stops loving us. And what did he do? He came to solve the sin problem so that we could have no distance between us. That's what should be the approach in every relationship when communicating. We should always have a redemptive approach. I want to make our relationship better, not just win the argument. Does that make sense? I heard one guy say, um, you can choose to be right or you can choose to be happy. In a, in a marriage relationship. You can choose to be right or you can choose to be happy. He said he was a happy, happy man. <laughs> you know, you don't always have to be right. There's, there's many rights. There's many ways to do things. There's many perspectives to look at things. Do you always have to be right? It's a good perspective. I like what James 1.20 says. It's not on the screen, but it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The, the, the parallel I've heard about that is we're given two ears and one mouth. Use accordingly. 
right? You have two ears, you have one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. I think that's a really, really good perspective. Hack number four, keep it clean. Keep it clean. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome means corrupt, rotten, worthless. Do not let un, any unwholesome talk, don't let any corrupt, rotten, or worthless talk come out of your mouth. Colossians 4 says this, let your conversation always be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let it be full of grace. Full of, okay, I get that you're frustrated. I get that you're angry. Help me understand what's causing that. Because I want our relationship to be good, not bad. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to understand you. And I, I, I can tell you one thing. The most intimate thing I can do with my wife, this is going to get really personal, is listen. And understand her. Not just listen, not just go, oh, mm hmm uh-huh, mm-hmm. What did she say? That's not listening. That's going to the point where I can, I can repeat back to her what she means, not just what she's saying. And the goal is to get that, uh-huh. So this is what you mean, right? And I say it, and then she goes, uh-huh. And it's like, hey, we're loving each other right there. That's a sweet spot right there. That's an intimate moment for my wife when I understand her. And then, of course, respond to the understanding appropriately. And it's important that we understand that we are to be full of grace, that we're, the intention is not to destroy, but to always bring redemptive language to the conversation. Salt is the preservative in this passage. It's the one that is holding things together, is keeping things healthy and uh, edible instead of uh, rotten, and it preserves the relationship. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 through 14 says this, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. If you're using a lot of words, it may just be your attempt to make yourself more important. We have to be careful that we don't just use a lot of words and argue for the sake of argument. Everybody with me? Okay. Hack number five. Be helpful, not hurtful. This passage is so great because it, it's very clear about what it, healthy communication is all about. But, on, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do, here's a, a great way to evaluate whether you are speaking healthy or unhealthy. And that is to measure whether what I'm about to say is going to help or hurt. Again, go back to gas or water. Is this going to put out the fire or is this going to add to the fire? Am my words going to help or my words going to hurt? I can tell my wife that uh, she is like her mother, which that's not a bad thing, mom. I know you're sitting on, uh, you know, so it's not, this is an example. I love you. All right. My mother-in-law is sitting on the front row, and that's a very dangerous illustration to use. <clears throat> we can help, and, or, or I could say, I'm, yeah, 
That threw me off. All right. It can be a helpful word or it can be a hurtful word. We can throw gas on it and I can say, let me understand what you're saying. Let me understand what you're communicating. Help me because I want our relationship to be the best it can be. And this applies to any relationship that you're in. It, de- it applies to your workplace. It applies to your, your school. It applies to boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, anybody. Because the more you understand, the more time you take to listen and grasp their meaning, the better off you'll be. And the more beautiful that relationship will be. And it's, it's very, very powerful. What words are you using? Are they hurtful or are they helpful? I love that passage. It says very clearly, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That means you're serving when you're communicating. You're serving. You're bringing that you have the towel over your, your arm and you're serving. You're a server at a restaurant and you're, and you're understanding what their needs are and you're just bringing that to them with words. Man, I love you. Oh, I so understand how that hurt you. I understand what's going on in your life. I understand what that feeling or emotion must feel like. Help, help me to, to know how I can best meet your needs. When you start saying those kinds of things, you're bringing health and wholeness to a relationship. And the last hack is this. Be kind and forgive. Verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Are you treating others like you've been treated by the Lord? Are you treating others like you've been treated? And if you are, then you are communicating so well. Here's the power of this whole passage of Scripture. If we have been changed from the inside, we will communicate love, life, and and health to our relationships. And my prayer for you and, and for myself is that we would allow the change from the inside to come out in a powerful way. In a powerful way. And I hope and pray that every relationship you have, you are able to contribute to that relationship, health, and not hurt. Because the power of, uh, of of this passage is simply this, is that when Jesus comes in, he changes things. That it's when we start talking like we used to talk. Before I was a Christian, I cussed up a storm. I could match just about any sailor who used any kind of language. And uh, man, I, I realized that that language was not becoming of Christ. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. If you use colorful language, it, you know, it's between you and God. But uh, for me, it was not for me. It was not for Jesus in me. And he completely transformed my language. And I'm not saying that at times when I reach a limit, or when I'm angry, that those words don't come flooding into my mind and, and I have to go, whoa, hold on. And I'm like pulling the reins back on the horse going, nope, you're not going to go back there. Because that was an unpleasant part of my life. And Jesus redempt, redeemed that and he, he saved that. And here's the beauty of it. If you want change in any area of your life, not just your speech, when he comes in, he brings that change. He brings that hope. He brings that joy. He allows us to speak life. He allows us to live life 
at its full potential. And it's exciting. And it's encouraging. And it's amazing. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.